Welcome aboard the ghost ship, everybody. My name's Derek Laughlin. I'm the senior writer and co-owner of FantasyFootballManiacs.com, and that's Maniacs with an X. And Nicholas Lord is not going to be on the show tonight, so I'm going to be piloting this ship solo. And uh, one of the big announcements I, I, I can't wait to to make for everybody is a, is a new exciting development for the ghost ship. So... I, for those of you that have been loyal listeners to the show, you know that uh, that this is the first year uh, that we haven't done the Ghost Ship as a weekly uh, podcast. Instead, we've used it for special events. We, we've used it to preview free agency, recap free agency, preview the NFL draft, recap the NFL draft. Our previous one was the NFL divisional preview, which Nicholas and I did together uh, back in July. Uh, there's the one we're doing today, which is our fantasy football pl- uh, uh, draft preview. And what this new uh, format is going to allow us to do is to do our fantasy football playoff preview live. That's right. We're going to do it live, but not, not that live. <laughs> That's always what we do at the, at the end of the show with the, with the headlines. But we're going to do it live for the fantasy football playoff preview. So we're still going to have that podcast available on iTunes, on SoundCloud. You'll be able to view it on our website. But the difference is we're going to be teaming with Shindig to have a live show that you can see us recording it. You're going to be able to ask us questions in real time about uh, uh, ways that we can help you uh, win your playoff games. And... I, I, I think it's it's going to be great. It's going to add a live element to the show. It's going to add a video element to the show. And we are excited to be working with Daniel uh, Marcus at Shindig with that. And we'll be reminding you of that as it, it gets closer. But uh, it's just another way for us to bring the ghost ship uh, to you and, and, and a new way that's going to be more interactive and, and live. So we're, we're excited to, uh, that they're giving us the chance to do that and, uh, and, and can't wait uh, for December to get here so we can bring that to you. All right. So this podcast, this is going to be 100% fantasy football. We're not going to be talking any NFL news or headlines or about the individual teams. This is for your draft. This is to help you with, give you the information uh, that is going to help you uh, when you when your uh, league. Now we have a lot of tools available on the website. All the rankings have been updated. Uh, I've been recapping the preseason, what I think about some of the veterans, what I think about some of the young players, giving you some sleepers there. We had all the strategy articles, and now we're kind of bringing that all together in this episode where we just preview the whole thing. So let's start off at running back, the premier position in fantasy football. You have the top pick in your 28 fantasy football draft, and you have all these good running backs to choose between. Who are you taking at running back? If it's me... I'm taking Los Angeles Rams running back Todd Gurley. Now, I, I I think you have to take him first overall because the Rams had the, 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 he 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 had for the Rams excuse me 2,093 yards from scrimmage last year, and he's just 24 years old. He had 64 receptions, so he has value in PPR leagues. He scored 19 touchdowns, so he's that complete package of rushing yardage, receiving yardage, and touchdowns. But if you ask me if I think he's going to be the top scoring running back for a second straight year, I actually would say the chances are that he probably will not be. Uh, and the reason I say that, it, it, it goes toward recent trends, an interesting trivia bit. Who do you guys think was the last 
running back to go back-to-back seasons at the top overall running back. It's San Diego Chargers running back LaDainian Tomlinson all the way back in 2006 through 2007. Since then, D'Angelo Williams of the Panthers, Chris Johnson of the Titans, uh, Arian Foster of the Texans, Ray Rice of of the Ravens, Adrian Peterson of the Vikings, Jamal Charles of the Chiefs, DeMarco Murray of the Cowboys, Devontae Freeman of the Falcons, and David Johnson of the Cardinals have all been the top overall fantasy back, which means that not only has nobody repeated in the top spot, but there have been 10 different running backs that have led the league the last 10 years as the leading fantasy running back. Now, that doesn't mean that running backs can't have back-to-back good years. If you look at Adrian Peterson, he was in the top three every year from 2007 to 2010. He finished eighth in 2011 and then went to first in 2012. Arian Foster was in the top five every year from 2010 to 2012, and then he returned to the top five in 2014 when he was fifth. Ray Rice was in the top five from 2009 to 2012, with the exception of 2010 when he was 11th. So it isn't that running backs can't be really, really productive in back-to-back years, but it is another thing to be back-to-back number one overall in fantasy scoring. And if history holds, someone else is going to probably emerge this year. It it, it could be Ezekiel Elliott finally claiming that spot in his third year. It could be Le'Veon Bell claiming that spot after he's been franchise tagged for the second year. It could be somebody completely off the radar that we aren't even thinking about. But history tells us it's going to be somebody else. It's not going to be Gurley. That being said, though, I'm not necessarily looking for who's going to be the number one overall score. You would like to get that with the first pick, but I think more of what it is is who is going to be the safest pick. Who who do you think that you you basically can plug in there and they're going to score big points for you every week? And I think at this point you have to say it's Gurley. He's young at 24, uh, which he turns in August. He's a featured weapon in their offense. He can run. He can catch. They made a ton of upgrades this offseason, adding uh, uh, Cook uh, to uh, the the receiving game. And... uh, and adding a number of players on defense that are going to make the defense better. And this team was already 11-5 and last year. They should be in the playoff hunt. He's going to be their featured weapon. Sean McVay knows how to, to feed him the ball in, in, in positions that's going to allow him to succeed. I don't know if he's going to be number one, but I can't imagine he's going to be outside the top five. And with his youth and the way that the, the Rams use him, he is the safest pick in this draft, I think. And he is a guy that... Uh, uh, th- that should be drafted number one overall. All right, second question with running backs. One player in the top 10 ADP that I would try to stay clear of in that spot and one running back outside the top 30 that I would want on my team. The running back I would avoid from the ADP top 10 is Los Angeles Chargers running back Melvin Gordon. Now, Gordon's been pretty good the last couple years. He was 8th among fantasy backs in 2016. He was 5th among backs in 2017. First 1,000-yard season last year with 1,105. Targeted 83 times in the passing game. Caught 58 passes for 476 yards, 12 total touchdowns. So at 25 years old, you would think he'd be on the verge of breaking out. That he'd be a player you'd want to take in the top 5 or the top 10. 
But the one thing that bothers me with him is the yards per carry. He averaged 3.5 yards per carry in 2015, and then it's been 3.9 yards per carry in 2016 and 2017. Now, I'm not going to blame that all on him. Some of that is clearly the offensive line. They were pro football uh, uh, focuses... Uh, 29th ranked offensive line in 2015, 31st in 2016, and 24th last year. And again, this is from Pro Football Focus, I think one of the best in the business at grading offensive lines. The Chargers offensive line was slightly more effective in run blocking as their running backs averaged 1.47 yards before contact, which was just below the NFL average of 1.56 yards per contact. But to me, for that top running back, I just didn't think he had enough big games. He only had three games last year where he topped 85 yards on the ground. He was targeted 83 times in the passing game, but managed only 58 receptions for 476 yards and four touchdowns. Look at Todd Gurley. He was targeted 87 times in the passing game, 788 yards and six touchdowns. To me, Gordon just isn't a very efficient player. He was third in rushing attempts and seventh in targets, yet he had only 230 fantasy points, which which was fifth in the league. But consider that New Orleans running back Mark Ingram had 54 less rushing attempts and 12 less targets and only 10 less fantasy points last year. So I'm not saying I wouldn't draft Gordon under any circumstances. Gordon has an ADP of 10.4. And if he's there or a very good receiver is there like Julio Jones or Michael Thomas, I'm probably going with the receiver in that spot. And... You know, another thing that I speaks, think speaks to his inefficiency is backup running back Austin Ekelar had only 47 carries last year, but averaged 5.53 yards per attempt, and he averaged 10.3 yards per reception, which was more than Gordon's 8.2 per reception. I, I just think that efficiency is enough of a concern that I'm not taking him in the first round without question. He, he's just going to probably be a guy I won't own because I probably wouldn't want him until the back of the second or the beginning of the third round, and he's probably not going to be there at that point. And at the end of the day, you don't care. It doesn't matter if he's efficient. As long as he sees the ball a ton, scores touchdowns, gains yards, that's all that really matters. But between the lack of big games and the lack of efficiency, that's where teams kind of start looking at other players, and I, I would be concerned about that. The back you need to own. I, I, I really like this guy's chances of overperforming his ADP, and that's Cleveland Browns running back Nick Chubb. He's currently 103.6 in ADP, and he's the 38th running back and 11th round selection, yet he averaged 6.3 yards per carry at Georgia and scored 44 touchdowns. And I really think if he hadn't torn his ACL in 2015, he could have had a chance to win the Heisman Trophy. That was the year Derrick Henry won it for the national champion uh, Alabama Crimson Tide. He was very good that year. It had been tough to beat. But Chubb had 92 rushing attempts for 747 yards, 8.1 yards per carry, and seven touchdowns before tearing his knee up. He dominated an Alabama defense that year with 20 carries for 146 yards and a touchdown. Now, his team didn't do well. They lost 38-10, to but he'd never have a chance at redemption. He tore his ACL the next week, wouldn't face him again. And keep in mind, that Alabama D gave up only 75.7 yards rushing per game, but he was able to do very, very well against that line. Now, he wasn't the same in 2016, but he really appeared to be returning to form last year, averaged six yards per carry, and could have had many more yards if he hadn't split the backfield with Sony Michael, who was the first uh, round pick uh, of the New England Patriots in the draft. 
I think he's got a good chance to beat out Carlos Hyde on a Browns offense that averaged 4.5 yards per rushing attempt last year, which was sixth in the league. They should be improved this year in terms of not having 41 turnovers, not having a negative 11-point differential. I think they're going to be more rushing attempts, more chances to run the ball. And even if Hyde does beat him out for that job early, I think Chubb will still see carries early in the year, and I think at some point he could either pass Hyde on the depth chart or Hyde has an injury history and could could uh, could miss games this year. I love Chubb's physical talents. I, I, I love his body of work at, in Georgia, and I think if he's given the chance, he has a chance to be a steal with that ADP. So if you're looking for uh, a sleeper, I, I like I like Chubb. Moving on to wide receivers, and again, you know, with a fantasy preview show, there's no way we can talk every running back, every wide receiver. I'm trying to just hit some big themes at all the positions. We have a ton of material on the website, so make sure you check that stuff out uh, before you draft. Moving on to wide receiver. I think everyone is pretty much sold on Antonio Brown. His ADP is 5.6, and DeAndre Hopkins, his ADP is 9.4. Those are pretty much the top two consensus wide receivers. And then your next one is Odell Beckham, who is third at 12.6. And my soul on Beckham is the third-ranked fantasy receiver. Beckham was as productive as any receiver in the NFL's first three years in the league. He was fifth fifth and fourth among fantasy receivers, had at least 1,300 yards receiving, had at least 10 touchdowns in each season. Then came last year. It was a complete disaster. It started before the season even began. It started at the end of the 2016 season in the wild card round, where he decided that boating with Justin Bieber in Miami was a good way to prepare for the Green Bay Packers at home in a playoff game. He responded with four receptions for 28 yards against a Packers secondary that was among the worst in the league and was torched by Des Bryant and was torched by Julio Jones in the playoffs. The Giants lost that game 38-13, to and he received a ton of criticism for how he prepared for that game and how he responded to that moment. And you fast forward to the 2017 preseason, he suffered a nasty ankle injury against the Browns that kept him out the rest of the preseason, caused him to miss the season opener. He managed 25 receptions for 302 yards and three touchdowns in his next four games before breaking his ankle against the Los Angeles Chargers in Week 5, and he was lost for the year. There are three big concerns with Beckham. First, Beckham is playing under a 2018 club option of $8.459 million. He becomes a free agent in 2019. He wants that new deal now. And him and the Giants just are not really that close in, in negotiations. Does he hold out? Does he show up and try his uh, hardest not to play his way out of New York? The one thing Beckham has shown is a lack of maturity, and you have to wonder if he gives it all this year or if that contract becomes a distraction. It's happened for other players. It could happen for him. The second problem is Eli Manning. Manning's under contract through 2019, but the Giants could save $17 million against that salary cap by releasing him next spring. And if he plays like he has the last two years, they are going with a new quarterback in 2019. So Beckham's not going to have to worry about souring his relationship with his quarterback if he quits halfway through the year because the Giants aren't winning or he's not uh, being used the way he wants to or if he's mad about his contract and that he's now all of a sudden ruined a relationship with his quarterback because Manning is probably on his last stand in New York 
And even if Manning, if Beckham plays hard, Manning still might not have the arm strength to find him down the field. So you have concerns about Manning's ability to make Beckham a top three wide receiver, and you have concerns that if uh, Manning isn't playing well and the Giants are losing games, does Beckham just cash it in and uh, and wait for next year? He's he might not want to get hurt because he's going to be negotiating that new contract, and if they're not winning, he's not seeing the ball enough. Is he going to play hard? That's a problem. Third problem is the Giants drafted Saquon Barkley this year as the second overall pick. And I think they're going to try to give him the ball 275 to 300 times running the ball and feed him the ball maybe 50 to 75 times through the year. He is going to be a workhorse bell cow back. Now, is Beckham going to appreciate not being the centerpiece of this offense? And what does he do if he isn't seeing all those targets in the passing game because they're trying to be a run-first team behind Barkley's immense talents and uh, with Manning not having as much left in his arm as he did early in his career. If Manning has anything left in his arm and Beckham plays with any amount of maturity and doesn't try to play his way out of New York, I I think he should be back in that top five spot. After he came back from that ankle injury, he was playing well before he went down. This isn't a talent issue. It's an issue with a player that doesn't show a lot of maturity. It's an issue with a player that has a declining quarterback throwing in the ball. And I currently have him ranked as the fifth-ranked receiver. I don't have him at third. I think he's going to have a great year. But I really do have my concerns, and I don't think I would take him in the first round. Last year he was going in the first round. I think I hold off till taking him in the second round. I think there's safer players in the first round that you don't have to worry about the quarterback, the effort, the, the contract situation, and all those things. All right, staying at wide receiver. The one we're going to just keep this theme going. The one player in the top 10 ADP that I'm going to maybe stay clear of and the one player outside the top 30 that I really would look forward to having in my team. The player to avoid, Tampa Bay Buccaneers wide receiver Mike Evans. Couple problems for Evans. First, he really hasn't been a consistent player. He was supposed to be a star after finishing 11th in his rookie season, instead he crashed to 27th. Then he was the top scoring fantasy receiver in 2016, crashed to 18th. He just hasn't really shown that dependability that says, hey, take this guy in the first round, just plug him in, you know you're getting 1,300 yards, you know you're getting 10 touchdowns. He, he hasn't been that guy. Another part of the problem is the quarterback situation. Jameis Winston was supposed to be entering a breakout third year. He didn't do that as he struggled with injuries and inconsistent play. Making things worse, he suspended for the first three games of the year. And that means Evans is playing with Ryan Fitzpatrick for the first three games. I don't think that's good for his fantasy value. He wasn't terrible with Fitzpatrick last year. Three receptions for 95 yards and a touchdown against Arizona. Seven receptions for 88 yards and a touchdown against the Bills. But at that point, he stopped scoring touchdowns and had six straight games without scoring one. And four of those were with Fitzpatrick behind center. Now, there's speculation the Buccaneers may want to move on from Winston after this year because of the suspension, because of his personal conduct. What does that mean if they're 3-7? and seven? They may want to sit him the rest of the year with no hopes of making the playoffs and not wanting to risk an injury where they would have to pay out $20 million on an option that is only guaranteed for injury. But regardless, Winston definitely is not going to be there the first three games of the year, and that hurts Evans' value. And Evans just really wasn't great with anyone last year. 71 receptions, 1,005 yards, 5 touchdowns. It's not good. Not for someone of his talent. At 6'5", 231 pounds, 
and with his skill set, he should have at least 10 touchdowns per year. He should be dominant in the red zone. And his he's a wide receiver nine with an ADP of 23.6. I don't know if that's great value in the third round. It, I might go running back or wide receiver, uh, and and then go back to a running back in the third round instead of him. I might go with Kansas City Chiefs wide receiver Tyreek Hill or Minnesota Vikings wide receiver Stephon Diggs. And that bomb that Tyreek Hill had in preseason, Alex Smith couldn't throw the ball like that last year. I think Hill is going to be a much better vertical threat this year. And he's been a top 10 fantasy receiver the last two years. I would much rather have Hill over Evans, but I I don't think the ADPs reflect that. And Stefan Diggs playing with Kirk Cousins this year instead of Case Keenum, I, I, I think he's on the verge of a breakout year. Uh, I don't know what Evans is going to do. He doesn't have Winston for those first three games. He has a ton of talent. He has physical gifts. He could have a big year. Uh, but the quarterback situation, whether they sit Winston at the end of the year, if they're not in contention, and just how he's kind of up and down and all over the place, I, I, I think you know you're, he's definitely a guy you want to own, but I don't know if that 23.6 ADP value is, is fair. I, I'd almost think of taking him more toward the back of the third round, maybe even early fourth round, and I, I don't think he's going to be there at that point. The need to own Carolina Panthers wide receiver DJ Moore. I, I think people are going to regret that they, they slept on this guy. His ADP right now is 122.6. He's a 13th-round pick. He's the 47th-ranked receiver. Last year, the 47th-ranked receiver had just 87 fantasy points. What does that mean in terms of stats? Probably 600 yards receiving 4.5 touchdowns. I think he's going to be well over that this year. He's playing with Cam Newton, who had success with wide receiver Steve Smith. Success with wide receiver Ted Ginn Jr. Kelvin Benjamin is a rookie. Had a great year with Newton, posting 73 receptions for 1,008 yards and 9 touchdowns. I, I have no worries about Moore seeing targets as the second receiver in this offense. If all he has to do is have 600 yards and 4.5 receiving touchdowns, that's fine. I think he's going to do way better than that. I think he's way undervalued in that role, especially with his ability. He was the star of the combine at the receiver spot. He ran a 4.42 second 40-yard dash, 132-inch broad jump, 39.5-inch vertical jump. He's six foot and 210 pounds. He has all the physical tools you're looking for in a receiver. They did not take this guy in the first round uh, to throw the ball to him 50 to 75 times this year. I think he's going to be a huge part of their offense. I think they're they're looking to have a, a burner on that side of the field. And with Newton there, I think he's got great upside. I think he's going to be closer to the 20 to 30 range. I, I don't think he's going to crack the top 20, but I, I think very realistic to be maybe in the 25 to 30 range, somewhere in there. He He's a steal to me, uh, given his physical talent and playing with Cam Newton uh, at that spot. All right, quarterbacks. The most important position in the NFL, but not a very important position in fantasy because there's so many good ones that you can get great quarterbacks later in the draft. But we're going to spend some time on them. Rookie quarterback Deshaun Watson, in the midst of a historic rookie season where he tore his ACL at the half point of the year. Houston went from being kind of a fringe playoff contender to in the toilet, ended up uh, uh, with, with, the, uh, with the fourth pick in the draft that went to Cleveland, and they were 4-12. and 12. So how is he going to fare this year? Is he overvalued or undervalued as that second-ranked quarterback? And to me, I think he's overvalued. And here, here's my big concern. 
and we have a we have a habit of doing this. We look at players that set records, and we think that they're just going to improve every year. That that's just going to be the level they play at. And I don't think you can look at last year and assume, okay, well, he was that last year. Now he's going to build on that for this year. That was historic what he did last year. He started only six games and had 1,699 yards passing, 19 touchdowns, eight picks, and a QB rating of 103. So let's say he stays hot for the season and had 500 passing attempts. He's probably looking at 4,150 yards passing. 46 pass, 46 and a half passing touchdowns, 19 and a half interceptions, and he probably would have had somewhere around 600 yards rushing and another four to five scores. He he would have been on pace to have anywhere between 385 and 410 fantasy points, depending on how everything shook out for him. So let's take a look at that. Let let's say he would have finished the season right in between there, maybe an even 400 points. Do you know how many times Peyton Manning had 400 points in his career? Once, 411 points in 2013. Aaron Rodgers has never had 400 points. He had 399 once in 2011. Tom Brady has never had 400 points. He had 398 in 2007. Drew Brees has never had 400 points. He had 396 once in 2011. So when the best quarterbacks of this generation have either not put up 400 points or have only done it once in their career... Are they going to do that? That's what Watson was on pace to do last year. Is Watson just going to average 400 points every year? I just don't think that's realistic that he's going to play that well. I think chances are he's going to regress in his second year, but still be very good. 4,000 yards passing, 25 to 28 passing touchdowns, 300 to 400 yards rushing. Good numbers, but I don't know if he's going to make it to the top five for all fantasy quarterbacks. I definitely don't think he's going to be number one where he's significantly above everybody else. I think he's going to probably be in the top ten, jammed together with a large group of quarterbacks. And as the second-ranked fantasy quarterback with an ADP of 41.2, there is no margin for error. And I, I just don't believe in taking a quarterback that early. And I definitely don't believe in taking one on that based on seven games of uh, for a body of work. I'd rather go with Kirk Cousins in the ninth round with his three years of body of work, and then jump on Watson in the fifth round. It's just, it's a big risk to take a quarterback that high that's only played seven games coming off an ACL tear. I I, I, I would wait on him, even though I think he's going to have a great year. I have him ranked very highly, uh, and I love his upside. I think he's going to be a very good quarterback for a very long time, but that doesn't mean I'm going to have him going at 41.2. All right, uh, quarterbacks stay clear of. The one in the top 10 that I'm going to try to stay clear of is Tom Brady. His ADP isn't ridiculous right now at 49.4, and a quarterback three means late fifth round, which is when I start thinking about taking quarterbacks. And Brady was good last year. He won the MVP of the league. He was fourth overall with 295 fantasy points. Very good for a quarterback. I just don't see a lot of upside to taking a 41-year-old player that early in a draft. Philip Rivers had 270.5 fantasy points last year, and he has an ADP of 109.8, and he's never missed a start in his career. 
Now, I, I definitely own Brady. He hasn't shown any signs of slowing down. He had over 500 yards passing in the Super Bowl. He is not recovering from a serious injury this offseason. He looked great in the first half against the Eagles. Two touchdowns, quarterback rating over 100. He was very efficient. But it speaks to quarterbacks. It's a bloated position. Jared Goff had 255.5 fantasy points, or 17 points per game. Russell Wilson led the league with 347.8 fantasy points, or 21.7 per game. And that's because Goff only played 15 games last year. It, it just isn't worth it to me taking a quarterback in round 5 instead of round 10 when the upside to doing that is 4.7 fantasy points per game. And that's assuming you hit it right on the head, that Brady still has what it takes to be a great fantasy quarterback at 41 years old. And when you take a quarterback that high, you have to play him regardless of matchup. Nobody wants to be the guy that sits Brady on the week he decides to throw for six touchdown passes. So you're starting him regardless of matchup. So if you take Goff in the 11th round and Rivers in the 12th round, you're drafting 526 fantasy points from last year, and you can play the one with the better matchup. I'd much rather go that route than owning Brady and having to play him regardless of matchup. It's just a high price to pay for a guy that's on the back end of his career and uh, and that there, there's risk involved with that. So, so Brady's a guy, I'd own him, but not where he's going right now in drafts. If he, made it, if he fell to the 7th or 8th round, I'm absolutely considering him at that point. But he's probably going to be gone in round 4 or round 5. The player I need to own at quarterback, Phillip Rivers, Los Angeles Chargers. Rivers was the, is the 16th-ranked quarterback this year as an ADP of 113. And if you take a look at his career, he's been lower than 16th just one time when he was the 21st-ranked quarterback in 2012. He was terrible that year. But he's played in the top 10. He's been in the top 10 seven times, including eighth last year. To me, he's just a very safe pick. He started all 16 games for 12 straight years, so he's a durable guy. He's thrown for over 4,000 yards every year since 2008, other than that down 2012 season he had. Five seasons with 30 touchdown passes. He's hit 26 touchdown passes every year since 2008. He's probably not going to lead the league in fantasy scoring. He's probably not going to be in the top five. But he's either going to be a low quarterback one or a high quarterback two that has two games against the Oakland defense, two games against the Chiefs defense, Cleveland and Cincinnati. He's probably going to have a great matchup in half his games, and when you have him paired with another quarterback, you're going to have great production out of that spot. He's safe. He's reliable. Tenth round, he's available. That's a bargain. That's someone I would own in every league if he's going to stay available at that point of the draft. All right, tight ends and defenses. We'll combine them into one segment. And I'm just going to look at one sleeper defense and one sleeper tight end for the 28th season. Somebody that you can take in the 14th round or later and just stream early in the year. The tight end to stream, Indianapolis Colts tight end Eric Ebron. Now, this pick is predicated on Andrew Luck being healthy, which he has been. He played in the first two preseason games, was better in the first one than the second one. He struggled against the Ravens. But he looks like he's on his way to playing in week one. Ebron never lived up to that potential in Detroit, but he wasn't terrible. I, I think people think of him as being a bust. He wasn't a bust. He was 13th, 15th, and 13th there the last three years, which means he was in the top half for tight ends. But the problem is, is he was the 10th pick in the draft for the Lions, and because of that, he was due $8 million in guaranteed money if they picked up his option. So it was not good enough 
for the 10th pick in the draft. Not good enough for a guy with $8 million guaranteed, but it was good enough for somebody else to give him a look at a cheaper contract. And that's why the Colts took a chance on him. And Luck loves throwing to tight ends. He's had success with Kobe Fleener and Dwayne Allen earlier in their career. And per Roto World's uh, per Roto World, Indianapolis uh, Stars Stephen Holder writes Eric Ebron has been among the more impressive Colts during the offseason program. They go on to say that Ebron has been used all over the formation by new coach Frank Wright. He's really smart, Wright said, and and that's really good because you want to use a guy with that versatility uh, that he has and move him uh, around and call all kinds of things with him. Now, let's look at how their schedule to start off with. Cincinnati, Washington, at Philly, Houston to open the season. Cincinnati was 20th against fantasy tight ends last year. Washington was 27th. Philly was 14th. Houston was 28th. So if you wait until the 15th round to draft a tight end and stream one early, I think you could do a lot worse than Ebron. Luck looks like he's going to play. Ebron's got an ADP of 195.3. Pretty favorable schedule based on last year uh, as far as tight end defenses. I think that could be a real value there. The defense to stream. Take a look at the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now, they're the 12th-ranked fantasy defense in ADP of 193.5, and that means that you can likely draft them in the last three rounds and you'll have a defense that plays Cleveland, Kansas City, at Tampa Bay, and Baltimore to start the season. Cleveland was 30 seconds against fantasy defense. Kansas City's was third, but they have a first-year starting quarterback. Tampa was 22nd, and they won't have Jameis Winston in that game. And Baltimore was fifth. Those are two good matchups in the first three weeks, and usually a defense will present itself on the waivers in the first month. Look at Jacksonville last year. Nobody thought that defense would average 10.6 fantasy points per game, but they were the top-scoring defense. The Lions were third at 8.8 fantasy point games. The Saints were eighth at 7.3 points per game. Steelers will be able to get you by early in the year, and if they don't do well... You, somebody else should present themselves. They were 11th at 6.8 fantasy points per game last year. They struggled without Ryan Shazier at the end of the year, but now they've had an offseason to address that. Favorable ADP, two nice opponents in the first three weeks, Kansas City at home with a new quarterback. It's good value for a streamer to start the season. I, 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 I like the Pittsburgh Steelers' uh, defense uh, as, as a streaming option early on. All right, so that takes care of the quarterbacks, the running backs, receivers, tight ends, defense. Now we're going to go to more probable than not two hot topics. Number one, more probable than not that I draft a quarterback before the fifth round of my fantasy league. I'm going to go not probable. And I talked about this earlier, and I'm going to expand on it a little bit. Here's the example I give to everybody every year as to why you wait to take a quarterback. Let's say I had taken Tom Brady in the third round last year. Good player. 296 fantasy points, fourth in the NFL. That's a good pick. I got a top five scorer at his position in the third round and was able to get the fourth best scoring player at that position. That's what every fantasy owner is looking for. Let's say I hadn't taken Brady, and let's say I'd taken Kareem Hunt in the third round last year. That's where he was going. I would have received a player that scored 242.2 fantasy points at the running back position, and I would have a dominant running back the first half of the year. And he slowed down in the second half of the year, but he was he was still good at times. Now, you might say that's great, but then you wouldn't have had a great quarterback like Brady. So what's the difference? One good running back, one good player with, uh, with Hunt. 
Hunt was more of a crapshoot because he was a rookie that uh, was thrust into the starting job when uh, uh, Spencer Ware went down. Brady's a safe pick that you know has been good year after year. And all that is true. It's all very true. But let's look at the difference between taking a quarterback in the 10th round and 11th round versus a running back in the 10th round and 11th round. Now, I could just make this easy and say after I drafted Kareem Hunt in the 3rd round, I took Carson Wentz in the 12th round. But nobody had an idea he was going to play at an MVP level. And you usually don't find an MVP quarterback in the 12th round of the, uh, of the fantasy draft. So let's just go with two guys that weren't in the MVP discussion. Let's say I drafted Matthew Stafford in the 10th round, Bengals quarterback Andy Dalton in the 11th round. Both were proven quarterbacks. Nobody expected them to be superstars. Everybody thought they were going to have decent fantasy years. And they were both good. Stafford averaged 17.1 points per game. It was just 1.4 points per game less than Brady. Dalton was not as good, averaged 13.2 fantasy points per game. But he had nine games where he had at least two touchdowns and three games where he had at least three. So I could have even started Stafford every week and just played Dalton when Stafford played the tough Vikings defense twice. And I would have gotten four touchdowns against the Browns out of Dalton in week four. And in week 11, I would have also had Dalton playing the Browns 214 yards and two touchdowns. And basically, by streaming Stafford and Dalton that way, I could have almost made up the, the, the point gap between Brady and Stafford. Now, look at what you're drafting in the 10th and 11th round at running back. Jordan, and this is last year. Jordan Matthews, Rashard Matthews. Matt Forte, Kenny Britt, Zay Jones, Marlon Mack, Mike Wallace, Kevin White. That's a lot harder to hit than Stafford and Dalton. And that isn't to say every skill position player is that reliable in the later rounds. Robbie Anderson was a 13th round pick last year. Alvin Kamara was a 13th round pick. Deshaun Watson at quarterback was a 14th round pick. Deion Lewis was a 14th round pick. There is value at any position of the draft, in any round of the draft. But what's easier to do? Is it easier to identify Matthew Stafford as a good fantasy quarterback, to value Andy Dalton as a good streamer at quarterback in the 10th or 11th round, or do you want to try to wade through every obscure running back and wide receiver that you've never heard of and hope that one is going to work? Alvin Kamara was a great player last year, but nobody thought he was going to have 1,500 yards from scrimmage and 13 touchdowns, buried behind Mark Ingram and Adrian Peterson. You had to really be paying attention to things to even view him as a relevant player during fantasy drafts. I did. I had him in two of my three leagues. Drafted him in the 12th or 13th round. I didn't think Peterson was a good fit down there, seeing they didn't use the eye formation. Ingram had an injury history. I told everybody Kamara was going to be the back to own in the second half of the year. But I, I also had a lot of other players I identified as sleepers that didn't work out either. I looked at a guy that I thought was athletic and did well in the draft evaluation process and went to a good team running the ball and, and, and put one and two together. I, I was throwing darts at a board. I, I was, <laughs> you know, it was an educated toss. I mean, you know, I, I, I thought that uh, it had a chance to work out, but you're even if you know these players forwards and backwards, you are throwing darts in the background of the draft and hoping that your educated guess pays off. 
it is way easier to do that at the quarterback position than trying to do that with rookie running backs, rookie running back stuck in committee, receivers that were taken in the third, fourth, or fifth round that uh, don't see reps early in the year because the quarterback doesn't have any faith in them. I would prefer to wait on quarterback as long as possible. It's easier to hit that part of the draft at the quarterback spot. More probable than not that I draft a kicker before the final round. And this one isn't even a matter of probability. I can guarantee you I will not take a kicker until the final round. I talk about it every year. You're cheating yourself if you draft a kicker before the last round. Do not draft a kicker until the final round. I will not rest on my fantasy quest to make sure that people do not do this until I am in leagues where nobody drafts a kicker until the last round. Let's go back to last year again. Here are the players that were available in most leagues after the 10th round. Cleveland Browns running back Duke Johnson. Minnesota Vikings wide receiver Adam Thielen. L.A. Rams wide receiver Cooper Cup. Philadelphia Eagles quarterback Carson Wentz. New Orleans running back Alvin Kamara. Houston Texans quarterback Deshaun Watson. Granted, I said, you know, those are darts at the board. Nobody knew those players were going to be the stars they were last year. Educated guesses, dartboard throws. But the reason that certain owners nailed those throws and others didn't is they gave them chance. Uh, they gave themselves a chance to hit those picks by waiting on a kicker till the final round. I mean, what, what's the old saying in basketball? The only the only shot you uh, you don't make is the one you don't take. <laughs> That's kind of what happens in the later round here. And if you take a kicker, you're cheating yourself. You're not shooting the ball. Justin Tucker was the top-ranked kicker last year, and some people were taking him in the 12th round. He averaged 10.9 points per game in fantasy in 2016. The problem is that 15 other kickers averaged between 8.5 and 9.4 points per game, which is only 2.5 or less points than what Tucker scored in 2016. I just don't see the upside of drafting a player in round 12 instead of round 16 to have a 2.5 point per game average on the season. Now, Tucker still averaged 10.1 per game, .1 fantasy points per game in, in 2017. It was just fourth highest for kickers with 14 or more games, and 16 kickers averaged at least 8 points per game, which was just 2.1 more per game. There's no advantage. They're all the same to a certain extent. I'm not saying every quarterback from top to bottom is the same. I wouldn't have wanted to own Zane Gonzalez last year. He averaged only 4.9 points per game. He was awful. You can't win with a kicker that bad. But just because you don't take a kicker until the last round, that doesn't mean you're going to get stuck with Zane Gonzalez. There's usually 10 to 12 kickers that are needed in each league. There's usually 10 or 12 you can play regardless of matchup. And then there's another 8 or 10 that you can play in, you know, in, in matchup dependent. You don't need to draft two kickers. You don't need to draft one in the ninth round. And I, I don't want to have to talk about this next year. Please help me out. Help me not talk about this next year. And don't draft your kicker until the final round. You're just cheating yourself. You're cheating yourself out of getting a good sleeper player and you're gaining little to no advantage on it. And what's so silly about it is I'll see people take this kicker, you know, these kickers in the ninth or 10th round, and then when their kicker goes on bye in week six, they just wave them. Why are you taking a guy that early if you're, if you're going to wave him six weeks later? It's just incomprehensible to me that so many people do this. And it is now time 
for our live news segment. And how we do this is we do it live. That's right, folks. We do it live on Roto World. I go to the latest headlines and just read through them uh, to see if there's any big stories uh, for fantasy implications. And this segment is unofficially brought to you by Fantasy Pros Draft Wizard. And uh, we're affiliated with Fantasy Pros. We have all their tools on our website. We have the Draft Simulator, the Draft Analyzer, the Cheat Sheet Creator, the Draft Assistant, the Auction Simulator, the Auction Calculator. These are all great tools powered by Fantasy uh, Pros, and they are available on our site. Uh, You you just go to FantasyFootballManiacs.com, Maniacs with an X, Go to uh, the draft tools and uh, and click on the one that works for you. And the advantage to this mock draft simulator is that if you have a draft and you know you're going fifth in the draft, you can set it up for fifth, PPR, standard, how many bench spots you have, how many starting running backs, receivers, flex positions, start the draft, and in five minutes. I know you can go to some of the bigger sites and draft live with people, but then if they have to go and walk their dog, if they have to go and eat dinner, if they have to go do something else in the third round, you're just sitting there waiting for them to pick. Some people leave after the seventh or eighth round once all the good players are gone because they think only kickers are available then. You don't have to deal with this. With start your With your mock draft simulator, you just go in, plug in your settings, plug in your draft position. If you don't know it, you can practice from the front of the draft, back of the draft, do multiple simulations to see where players are going and what players you can get. You, you are cheating yourself if you don't go and do mock drafts before the real thing, and it's the fastest, most efficient way to draft players and be ready for your fantasy league. It's available on our site, fantasyfootballmaniacs.com, maniacs with an X, draft tools. All right, live headlines before we close out the show. Hawks, Rashad Penny will be ready in week one. Avoid this situation, folks. Just just avoid it. Chris Carson's available. Uh, his ADP's been moving up. He's a running back 38 with 100.8. I think it's going to continue to climb as we get closer to the start of the regular season. He is going to be the starter. Penny's going to be the backup. Now, Carson could be hurt. Uh, that could give Penny a chance to... Uh, uh, to be a starter earlier rather than later. Uh, it's great that he's back and uh, he's going to be ready to go in week one, but you have a bad offensive line, a team that did not run the ball well last year, and I would stay clear of it. I, I got a great stat for people. This is from Football Outsiders, and uh, it said Seattle running backs carried the ball 10, 20 times inside the 10-yard line last year, and they managed negative three yards. This offensive line is not good. They are. It's going to be hard for any running back to succeed in that situation. And now you have this running back by committee where you don't know if it's going to be Carson, you don't know if it's going to be Penny. It really makes it hard uh, to... Uh, to try to gauge who who which running back you should be owning. Penny's ADP is way too high. It's at 62.4 and you don't even know if he's going to be uh be the starter. Avoid it. If you're going to take a chance on one, take a one a chance on Carson just because he's a lot cheaper than Penny is. Devon Smith expected back for week 1 according to Rick Stroud of uh the Tampa Bay Times. That's good news because uh 
you don't ever want your left tackle uh, not ready for week one. Uh, they they really need him back, and uh, it looks good that, uh, that they're at least optimistic about that. Fournette to see more work on third downs. He did well as a pass catcher last year, 36 receptions for uh, 302 yards and 48 targets. I don't think T.J. Yeldon and Corey Grant are that great in passing situations, but he's dropped 15 pounds. He's hoping to be lighter and more versatile, and I, I think he's a very safe running back one. Uh, I loved him coming out of college, and I like how he looked last year, and now that he's lost weight, I think he could be even more effective. Kai Forbeth to work out for the Jets on Wednesday. I mean, this will help you for the last round of the draft if you listen to my other segment. Uh yeah, the Jets' offense is really uncertain right now with a rookie quarterback and uh, Sam Darnold and uh, Josh McCown as a veteran quarterback. Don't know who's going to start there. Uh, Jimmy Smith hit with a four-game suspension. That's big. Uh, he's eligible to return against the Browns in Week Five, but uh, the Browns def- the Ravens' defense is one of the better ones in the league, and that's uh, one of their better uh, defensive players. Uh, Doug Baldwin will be sure ready for Week One. They play the Broncos. I mean, that that's a situation where do they hold them out in week one because it's an AFC opponent that doesn't come into uh, uh, play for tiebreakers. And Carroll, as Roto World points out, has a penchant for being overly optimistic when it comes to injuries. But they said this time they actually believe him. He's been trending in the right direction, and it looks like that knee is going to be ready to go. And he, I, I think he's going to lead the league in targets this year or be very close to it because they really don't have any other weapons other than him. Bears tight end Adam Shaheen out with a sprained foot. Trey Burton looks like he's going to be the starting tight end there. He had a very good preseason game. Uh, I, 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 I don't think Shireen's going to have much fantasy value unless Burton were to go down, and even then I don't think Shireen would have good value. Adrian Peterson could play on Friday night. Washington's running back situation is a mess. I mean, Geis is out for the year. Kelly's got a sprained ankle. Marshall's got a sprained ankle. Chris Thompson doesn't think he's all the way back from his broken uh, leg. It was a bad offensive line last year. There's some issues on on that line. And uh, now they had to sign Adrian Peterson just to get a healthy back into camp. He's going to have to show in 10 days whether they can want to use him as a running back. He has no special teams value. If they don't think they're going to really play him at running back, they're going to have a backup that can play special teams too. So I think he's you know a long shot to make the roster, and he'll have to show that at 33 years old, he still has what it takes to be a, a good running back. Chargers quarterback Casey Hayward suffered an apparent hamstring practice, uh, hamstring injury at Tuesday's practice. He uh, pulled up while shadowing Mike Williams on a go route at the end of practice, per Eric Williams on Twitter. Uh, he, Coach Anthony Lynn insists Hayward would be okay, but it's going to be a storyline to watch because that's one of their better cornerbacks, and they've already had some injuries in the secondary with Jason Verrett and Jalen Watkins uh uh, already out with serious Achilles and ACL injuries. Ronald Jones struggling as a receiver. This is a story to watch too. Peyton Barber is lighter and has been running with the top uh, backs and uh, Jones uh, appears to be fading. Yet Jones has the ADP of 64.4. Barber has an ADP of 139.4. And the more I read about what's going on, on the more, uh, down there, I think the, the, the ADPs are flipped. I think Barber has the chance to be the good running back down there, and Jones might have to learn how to catch the ball and pass block before he's ready to see the field. I love his talent as a runner, and uh, you know, 
the, he was only thrown at 17 times in college. That's what the running backs coach uh, Tim Spencer pointed out. In college, there's probably a reason they only threw to him 17 times. So we'll see what happens. But uh, right now, I think Barber's the one to own. Jones is way overvalued. Uh, Parker's status for week one up in the air, that'd be Devontae Parker. Uh, the, the more it looks, the more it looks like he's just a boss. Uh, he's been you know, active in conditioning drill but he's not catching passes, which is kind of a problem if you're a wide receiver. Uh, they brought in uh, Danny Amendola and Albert Wilson. They would benefit uh, if he wasn't there. Kenny Stills is the number one receiver. I don't know. It, it just seems to be the story of his career. He's either injured, not playing well, there's something going wrong there. Delvin Cook could play Friday versus the Seahawks. I don't know if I'd risk playing him, but he is back. He looks like he's uh, going to be healthy for week one. The fact that they're even contemplating playing him shows that he's well on his way to playing there. And that's your headlines uh, as we do them on Roto World. We, we do it live! And that is brought to you unofficially by Fantasy Football Pro's Draft Wizard. Final story. What is the one storyline that I think will be the narrative in fantasy football for 2018? I think the storyline is going to be the return of the featured running back. There was a time when the first 15 picks in the fantasy draft were running back sometimes, where, where basically they ruled the day. If you go back to 2003, seven of the top 10 fantasy scores were running back, all scored more than 260 points. When the passing rules changed in 04, it encouraged teams to go with more single back sets, three wide receiver sets. Teams weren't allowed to have the same amount of contact from five yards from the line of scrimmage. And as teams started to throw the ball more, if you didn't have a running back that was good at receiving, it made sense to have that third down running back that would come in in passing situations. You could line them up in the receiver slot and go empty backfield, line them out of the backfield and throw to them there with four wide receivers or three receivers and a tight end. And what emerged is players like Wes Welker, Percy Harvin, Jarvis Landry, slot receivers that easily top 100 receptions in the year, lead the league in receptions even though they're not big touchdown scorers or, or play on the outside of the formation. And what also emerges, teams moving away from that featured back, and they look to have an early down back, goal line back, receiving back, pass blocking back. I mean, you know, just having it fanned out in committee. And teams like New Orleans, New England, Indianapolis made it a popular strategy and scored a lot of fantasy points doing that. And it got to the point that by 2015, the top 17 scoring players were all quarterbacks. The best skill position player was Antonio Brown with 250 points. And Devontae Freeman led all running backs with 243 fantasy points, which is a good year, but it's low for the leading scoring fantasy back. And it just kind of started to look like that featured running back was becoming a dying position in the NFL. And it was starting to play out in the draft, 2013, no backs in the first round. First one off the board at 37. 2014, same thing, but the first one didn't come off the board till the 54th pick. I mean, there's actually talk the running back may never go in the first round again. But luckily for running backs, the league is a copyback, a copycat league, and there's been a trend that the featured running back is making a comeback. If you look at 2015, Todd Gurley was the 10th pick and Melvin Gordon was the 15th pick. In 2016, Ezekiel Elliott, the 4th pick. 2017, Leonard Fournette, 4th. Christian McCaffrey, 8th. And all those teams are happy with those picks. Gurley, top-ranked fantasy back in 2017. Rams made the playoffs, won the NFC West. 
Gordon's been a top 10 back the last two years. They almost made the playoffs. If they would have had a kicker, they would have. Elliott was the, has been a star since joining Dallas. Led him to the best record in the, in the NFC in 2013. Or 2016, excuse me. Fournette, big piece of the Jacksonville team that made the AFC Championship game. He was a, an elite fantasy running back last year. McCaffrey's team made the playoffs, and he was very good. He's a solid running back, too. And teams seemed to follow suit in 2018. Saquon Barkley was the second pick. Rashad Penny, the 27th pick. Sony Michael, the 31st pick. Teams are starting to look for running backs in the first round again. And they are also looking for third down backs, for not third down backs, but three down backs in the second and third round. And, and don't get me wrong, quarterbacks are still dominating the action. Matt Ryan was the 15th ranked quarterback, but he was the 20 rank, 20th ranked fantasy player in terms of fantasy points scored. And that probably isn't going to change. Throwing is a way to win in the NFL. If you have an elite quarterback, you're going to sling it all over the field. The rules make it beneficial to do that. But what changed is the featured running back is is also back. Houston Texans wide receiver DeAndre Hopkins led all receivers with 216 fantasy points. Six running backs had more than that. Running back Jordan Howard was the 10th ranked running back with 177 points. Keenan Allen was the third ranked receiver at 176 points. There were 11 running backs that had 240 more carries, and six of them also had 50 or more receptions. And had Ezekiel Elliott not been suspended for six games, he would have probably made that seven players. And now you look at Saquon Barkley, I'm very confident he's going to make that list eight this year. And I'm not saying the days of the running back by committee are over, because there's plenty of teams that don't have that stud running back that can have very good production using two or three backs. And like I said, I'm not saying the passing game is leaving. Pass attempts are as high as ever, and I I don't envision that changing. But what I think is happening is teams are seeing the value in that a versatile running back that can run, pass, block, catch passes, play three downs, line up all over the formation. It gives the offense versatility. They're not going to force the issue of the back that can't fill that role, but they're not going to run away from it like they have in the past. And think about that with Barkley. If he's on the field, do you know what they're going to do? They could run it with him. They could throw it to him out of the backfield. They could line him up in the slot and throw it to him there. They could have him be a pass blocker. They could go play action. There are so many things you can do with a player like that on the field. You're not tipping your hand when you have him out there. What are you doing if you're the Philadelphia Eagles and you have Darren Sproles out there? That tips your hand. You're not going to be running up the gut with him three straight plays. You're probably going to be passing the ball. And I think it shows in how teams have drafted the last three years, how those teams have done in terms of wins and losses and making the playoffs. You figure in 2015, only seven players topped 240 carries, and of those seven players, only one of them had 50 receptions. People are seeing the value in these three down backs, and they're returning to them if they can find a player that can fill the role. And like I said, as a result, you had Devontae Freeman, highest-ranked running back at 20th, and only seven running backs cracked the top 40 that year. Eleven running backs cracked the top 40 in in 2017, and the 175 points that Carlos Hyde scored that year, or last year as the 11th-ranked running back, would have been seventh in 2015. There is a trend going back toward featured running backs. I, 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 I think that is undeniable. You look at the stats, you look at where teams are drafting them, that is the case. 
And Barkley's going to continue that narrative on what a featured back can do. And while it's not easy, dupl- easily duplicatable in his case because of his unique, unique physical gifts, I think it's going to accelerate that trend that the featured back has a place still in, in today's NFL. All right, so that's the last story. Bonus segment, and, uh, and, and we'll be on our way. Again, I just want to remind you, this is going to be it for the ghost ship until December 4th. I just do not have time during the season to get rankings out, start sit, waiver wire, uh, pick them. I, I can't do it, and also uh, try to put together a show that flows and makes sense and adequately recaps the NFL. If I can't do something uh, where it's up to the standards I want it done, we're not going to do it. So I think we have so much material on our site anyway that's going to help you win leagues. I, I, I sometimes think doing the go ship during the season is a little bit overkill. But what I don't think is going to be overkill is us previewing the fantasy football playoffs on December 4th and like I said, that's going to be us teaming up with Shindig, where you're going to be able to show up uh, live. You're going to be able to ask questions with us. You're going to see us recording the show and get great nuggets that are going to help you win those fantasy playoff games that uh, you want to win. Before everybody goes, I know the one thing everybody wants to know, who's that sleeper? Who's the player that you want to take later in the draft that's going to help you win? And to close out the show... Five players, real quick, I target after the 10th round. Bonus segment. Eagles ride receiver Nelson Aguilar. Top 30 receiver last year. Could have an expanded role with Elshon Jeffrey still battling an injured shoulder. ADP of 111, wide receiver 43 ranking. I think he's a steal in that spot. Talked about Carolina Panthers, wide receiver DJ Moore. Best rookie in the NFL uh, from the receiver spot. Uh, went to the Carolina Panthers with quarterback Cam Newton. Steal at wide receiver 47, ADP of 122.6. Try to get him after the 10th round. Tampa Bay running back, uh, running back Peyton Barber. We talked about that in the, uh, in the live news segment. He's lost weight. He's won the job. They don't trust Jones in passing situations. He doesn't catch well. He's not good as a pass blocker. Barber's the steal with that, high, with that ADP, and Jones is the potential dud with his high ADP. New England Patriots running back Jeremy Hill. They cur- he currently has an ADP of 181, so he's not being drafted. He's been a top 15 back in his career. He's entrenched as the third running back with Rex Burkett and Sony Michael Bandling injuries. He could earn some reps early in the year, and if he plays well, Belichick isn't uh, uh, adverse to giving players that are playing well the ball. So that's one to look at. And the last one, Atlanta Falcons tight end Austin Hooper. 225.7 ADP makes no sense to me. He was 18th in the league last year at tight end in his second year. They struggled with Steve Sarkeesian in his first year as a coordinator. They've added some weapons. I think it's going to be more efficient this year. I don't think he's good enough to make the top 10 among tight ends, but I think he's got streaming value, and he's somebody that you can play uh, a lot of weeks. And uh, the fact that he's... uh, going in the 22nd round when most teams only have uh, uh, with most leagues only have 15 or 16 rounds that that's incredible to me and what's incredible to me is this fantasy football preview show, show is over so again thank you for listening and uh, make sure you tune in for our December 4th uh, playoff preview show and we're going to still have articles recapping the preseason updating our rankings up until the the deadline and uh, helping answer your questions to get you ready for your draft so make sure you keep checking out the website so we can help you out with all those things so for uh, for Nicholas Lord this is Derek Laughlin and uh, thank you for listening to the Ghost Ship and we will see you next time <laughs>